It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Man, I'm so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, man. Anything's yeah. possible. Rainy days. Jump shot, fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it like when Tatum play a Jalen on the breakaway or Kyrie when he make a trade. And nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth that after you play it, you got to repeat. So in depth, they might do an hour about the D-League. So in depth, you probably should pay him, but it's a freebie. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King locked on trying to get the 18th ring. And well wishes go to Gordon. Listen, after every game is very important, Millie. Hey there, welcome back to the Locked On Celtics Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for making us part of your daily routine. We are here for you Monday through Friday. We're the Rain and Jays, John Corrales, Sam Jam Packard, my post-game partner here after a 108-97 win over the Philadelphia 76ers, who are a scrappy, good, young team. I will give them their credit after shitting all over the process last night and on Twitter every chance I get. I will admit that they are a good, young, hardworking team that moves a lot and and plays generally well, even though they make some mistakes. Celtics had to earn this win, and they did, behind a big game from Kyrie Irving, who had 36 points on 12 of 21 shooting, and Al Horford, who had 21 points on 9 of 12 shooting. Al Horford, by the way, on my draft tonight, so... Good on you, Al, for giving me the chance at some money. At Sam's money, actually. (laughs) So, um, you know, this was a very sloppy game in which the Celtics made 16, uh, had 17 turnovers, which led to 17 Philly points. They, I don't know if they got a single loose ball out there for most of the night. It just didn't feel like the Celtics were into it. And they they had to rely on Kyrie going supernova and shooting 57% from the field and sixty almost 63% from three. Man, his true shooting number is going to be insane after this one. And it really, those two guys, Irving and Horford, are the only two who had a consistently good night. Morris did okay. Like, at the beginning, he wasn't great, but then he picked it up. And then Tatum had 15 points, but he did most of his damage late. So, really, this was Kyrie and Al bailing the Celtics out. And there's a lot to clean up for the Celtics after this game. Yeah, no, it was a a sloppy game. It seems like that happens um, whenever the Celtics and Sixers get together. I just remember back to the the first game they played in Philadelphia was kind of all over the place. It feels like the refs don't know how to call it. Uh, It's definitely a very physical game. Um, and was this like the quietest, uh, like 36 points, like performance ever? It's just, it, it felt like a lot of the points that Kyrie scored came kind of within the offense. There wasn't the, I mean, as you can point to a number of very cool and absurd things that Kyrie did. One was a like behind the back in, in the lane. He had some cool floaters, uh, but it wasn't like he, uh, like a, he was just going ISO the entire time. It was just a very, very casual 36 points, uh, which is why Kyrie Irving is quite good at basketball. But you're right. This was a kind of a, a sloppy game. I definitely think the it would be a lot closer if Embiid was in the game. Um, we saw a lot of Rashawn Holmes tonight, some 
I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name. TLC got a lot of minutes <laughs> off the bench. The, the Sixers bench is not uh, not as deep as they're going to need to be if they're actually going to want to make a run. But um, back to the Celtics. I mean, that's what makes the Celtics just a, a better, like one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference is when you have guys not having their best night, you can rely on your stars, in which um, Al Horford does exactly what Al Horford does, which is just play great in all facets of the game. I uh, just lost internet, but I can't see a stat line. But I th- I'm going to guess it was something like 18, 7, and 6. Um, For how who? far off was I? Al Horford. Al Horford was 21 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists. Oh, that was close enough. Um, but he was just played uh, amazing all night. And you just, I think the you tweeted out the highlight later. Um, it was later in the fourth quarter. And it was really kind of sealed the game for the Celtics. Right? It felt like uh, they put the game away. It's just the two-man game of them in the pick and roll where Kyrie kind of created more space for Horford by taking both guys into the corner and then had this like super casual uh, pass that just went from immediately from dribbling to just the one-handed bounce pass to Horford, who of course drained the open three. And it was, that's just kind of the exact when this, when the Celtics were struggling, they're in need of offense. It feels like that's something they can turn to. Um, and so it's just, it's really just a greater metaphor for their entire, uh, the entire game is just the, the the Celtics relying on those two guys, those two stars to really just make things happen for them. Yeah, it really was mostly those two guys. I mean, look, the first quarter, they set the tone. They each shot four of five in the first quarter. Kyrie had 11. Al had 10. So half of Al's offense came right away in that first quarter. And a third of Kyrie's offense came in that first quarter, basically. So And then Kyrie finished strong late. It's that in between that second quarter and the third quarter that the Celtics really struggled. The Celtics in the second quarter, they're they're they've moved to just trying to experiment to start second quarters now. They stood they went for a while with Jason Tatum and a group of guys. They in the last game they had Kyrie out there, and today they threw ISO Mook with Semi Ojale. Tice, Tito, and Marcus Smart. And that didn't go so well. Marcus Morris in the second quarter did not really uh, do a ton at first. And it wasn't until later in the game, in the second half, I think, that Morris, yeah, 13 points in the second half on five of six shooting. So 13 of his 17 points came in the second half. That second quarter was just... Aside from a late burst, the Celtics really didn't do a whole lot. A good thing for the Celtics is that the 76ers also did not do a whole lot in that second quarter. It was it a was really bad. it was an ugly basketball game and it was got it got real sloppy, it got chippy, there's a lot of whistles. Um but it's interesting that uh Stevens stuck with Morris as kind of being the focal point of the offense, especially with that second unit because it actually it turned out to be more successful in the third quarter. Um, the Sixers went on this 22-9 run and it eventually actually took back the lead. And I thought immediately um, Brad was either going to go to one of his favorite three-guard lineups or um, just put the starters back in. But that's really when he actually brought in, um, I think it was Tito and Ojale. And that's when Marcus Morris just went off. He had a, um, he actually had made a mistake on defense or made, missed an open three, then didn't get back on defense. Uh, that's when the Sixers took over the lead, but then they just kind of went back to ISO Mook, and he had, I think it was like five or seven quick points, and it really 
um, stemmed the tide and ended the run for the 76ers. So, I mean, as frustrating as I think you can see uh, of a player he can be, and we can talk about the on-off numbers and the net rating, uh, there is just inherent value in a guy who can go out there and get you buckets, and especially when um, you we've seen this second unit struggle all year just to consistently create offense. Um, so if, if it just means him being super aggressive and getting, uh, taking his shot and looking for his, I think it's like kind of, he plays exactly how we, how we all wish Tatum would play at some points. And eventually I, I, I genuinely believe you need just a guy with that kind of willingness to create for himself, just because if you're just going to try and run the, run the offense through the guys on that second unit. It's it's we haven't seen the best results from that. So uh, all praise goes to Marcus Morris for his for I think one of his better performances as a Celtic. Yeah. And look, for the first time, he's put up some numbers where he finished as a, a big positive. Usually, even when he puts up whatever numbers he puts up, it, it, he's a negative in the plus minus. But and we know that plus minus is not anywhere near the be all end all. But he was a plus 13, and the eye test tells you that he was definitely a plus out there, like I said, especially in the second half. When when he he started taking over, like you said, the, the Sixers had made a run, and then he scored a couple of quick baskets. The Celtics took back the lead and never looked back after that. So that was big. I mean, that's I'm a, I'm a big proponent of clutch play being – possible throughout the game and I, I you tell me when the other team makes a run and erases a double digit lead to be the guy who immediately takes that lead back by hitting a couple of cl- big buckets even though it's the third quarter that to me is still clutch even though it's not the technical definition of clutch that those are key baskets I guess when it's in the third quarter those are key baskets and not quote-unquote clutch baskets when they're in the fourth but Whatever you want to call them, those were big. Those were game-changing baskets. Yeah, and it's we joke about ISO Mook because it's uh, he rarely passes, but I, it's not like they're, all of his buckets there were completely just clear-outs and let him go to work. I thought the, a lot of the stuff was, um, at least the first two baskets, was good action that just resulted in him getting the ball after some switches and, and attacking. Um, and I feel like that got him in rhythm and allowed for um, more baskets. And you're right. The Sixers only went up by one, and after that, it was um, it was pretty much the Celtics game from from there on out. And then in the fourth quarter, it was basically just a lot of uh, Kyrie Irving being quite dominant. Uh, just <laughs> he's it's just like I don't know if it's I'm like no longer surprised, but I'm still surprised every single time he does like makes an absurd floater or just like the way he dribbles. It's I don't know. I, I've run out of adjectives. I just it's. <laughs> He's amazing. He's like the way he has the basketball on a string and um, it's just so nice for the Celtics to have a guy they can rely on to do that. And it's not like they didn't because Isaiah was king of the fourth and things like that. But just the the casual nature and just how easy Kyrie Irving makes it look um, boggles the mind. My mind is boggled. <laughs> uh, let me take this opportunity here to point you to some of our social media outlets we are on facebook at uh, facebook.com slash rain and jays and we are on instagram at locked on celtics this is because different names are taken so 
have to mix it up a little bit. But if you're on Instagram, and you know, I'll be sending out. Basically, it's more for the cool pictures that go along with our our podcast. But check us out on Instagram. Just look for Locked On Celtics on Instagram. And if you prefer Facebook, we have all of our podcasts going up. Uh, uh, Facebook.com slash Rain and Jays. Of course, we are on Twitter at Rain and Jays. So you can follow us. Whatever your favorite uh, social media outlet is, we'll find a way on there. Maybe we'll start Snapchatting or something. I don't Snapchat. I have it, but I don't like it. But we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram, so check us out there. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet wherever you get your podcasts. Jaylen, don't hit me up on LinkedIn, though. Don't, know. <laughs> That's for other purposes. Uh, Jalen Brown struggled tonight again. Uh, I don't know what Jalen Brown's, uh, what, what's going on with Jalen Brown. It, it may be a function of, Maybe he's exhausted. Maybe he's mentally drained. Maybe he's just maybe he's just regressing a little bit. Something's going on with Jalen Brown. He did not have a good game tonight at all. One of six shooting for two points, three rebounds, a couple of assists, four turnovers, four fouls. Might be Jalen Brown's. I mean, definitely Jalen Brown's worst game of the year. Maybe one of his worst as a Celtic. And when the Celtics were whipping off sixteen straight wins, Jalen Brown was a key cog in all of that defending like crazy he's making a lot of defensive mistakes he was hitting not everything obviously but he was hitting a lot of shots like when you left him open he would make you pay and and something's going on right now with Jalen Brown that I I don't know what it is I, I maybe maybe since the funeral for his friend maybe it, it's something that it, he's struggling with entirely possible, entirely understandable. Something's going on with Jalen Brown right now. And I, I'm just hoping that he can kind of bounce back and figure it out, but not a great game for him at all. 
No, he was noticeably uh, not good. Um, and it's kind of been that way for the past couple of games. And you're right. It's, I can't, it, he's not really attacking the basket as kind of as recklessly as um, he did earlier in the season. And that, like, I use recklessly in, in, uh, as a good word there because I feel like that is a lot of what makes him um, a great basketball player is his athleticism, his ability to uh, just really get to the rim and draw fouls. And we just haven't seen it from him. And you're right. Hopefully it's not like a, a mental fatigue situation. Maybe it's just a, like a, a slump that everyone goes through. You kind of forget that he's only in his second year. And it's, it's like tough to use that excuse when you see Jason Tatum just continually play just very, very solid basketball. So you don't, you think, Oh, it's normal for rookies or second year players just to be very consistent every night. But you know what? Jalen Brown's still quite young. Um, so, uh, yeah, he's definitely going through a slump right now. And if the Celtics are going to play um, some tougher teams like the Pistons they played earlier in this week, they're going to need good performances of him because he is their starting shooting guard. He is uh, very key to what they want to do. And he's probably with their best perimeter defender um, just in terms of who he can switch on to. Uh, Marcus Smart definitely enters that equation as well. But they're going to need – if they're going to want to continue to rip off wins and continue to play well, they're going to need better performances from Jalen Brown. And I don't know, I don't think there's like a physical, like a, a clear physical thing that I can see. So like I would lean towards kind of a, a mental block, but you know, that's me diagnosing someone from 30,000 feet away. Like I, I have really no idea what's going on with him, right. but it just, it's kind of, it's, it's not exactly what you want to see because we've seen his potential and what he can do. And the Celtics are so much better when he's at his best. Yeah. Uh, look, it, it was very noticeable, and he played eight minutes, eight and a half minutes in the third quarter, during which he was a minus 12. So he was on the floor for basically that entire Sixers run, and then he did not play in the fourth quarter. So that's... Yeah, Brad noticed. Yeah. Like, I, I looked up there and saw down the stretch, and it was like the normal stretch lineup, but uh, Semi was out there instead of Jalen Brown, so... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. if if fans like us are kind of noticing what's going on there, and definitely Brad Stevens is, there's there a fix is in order. Like they're they're going to have to try to figure out something else because, to tell the truth, as much as I love Sammy Ojale, I don't I don't think he should be one of the top five players finishing out games. No, no, and so let's I I, I don't I I didn't want to bring it up to criticize jalen necessarily because he's been so key for the celtics throughout this season and shit people have been talking about him as a potential all-star deservedly so uh the past couple of games have been a little rough and i i do believe it's since the funeral that he's he's started to struggle so i hope that it's simply a case of a guy who's going through a rough patch and can can break out of this. I, I, I don't think it's a regression. Uh, and look, I understand if he needs if he needs to take time to just deal with this, I would rather have him just take the time and kind of get himself together and get right. But whatever it is, I, I just I just hope he, he can kind of eventually here move past it and get back to being the Jalen Brown that he's been because that Jalen Brown has been awesome. And like I said, and like Sean Devaney and, and the Sporting News brought him up as a potential all-star. And I think the Celtics, when you look at these guys, Kyrie and Al Horford are probably 
locks for the All-Star game. Kyrie is probably going to be a starter. Horford almost definitely going to be in there off the bench. And then you have the potential if the Celtics are sitting here at, at the top of the standings or near the top of the standings to throw in a third guy. But And that third guy may well be Jalen if he can get himself back together. So just want to I hope I just hope he gets gets things back together. Uh, what on a more positive note, can we talk about uh, Jason Tatum and how he's consistently awesome? <laughs> yes, closed out the game very nicely. Four of six, nine points in the fourth quarter. Uh, that that three that he had like felt like ten seconds to set up and shoot. Uh, just a ni- nice finish for for him. But it was at the start of the fourth quarter, he was the guy. You know, we talked earlier about kind of experimenting with the lineups. It was Tatum with the kind of the rest of the bench. It was Tito, Tice, ooh, Tito, Tice, and Tatum. There's a good trio. Um, but it was this kind of that bench, and he they did go to him. ISO. He had a nice little step back um, jumper, knocked it down. Also very casual. But the my favorite moment. Uh, there's two great moments in the fourth quarter with Tatum. Um, he got the ball on the wing, and no, he Amir Johnson, the big dog. Um, Ooh, yeah. Tatum just he murdered him. <laughs> he, yeah. he he waved everyone off. He said, "I have the big dog who has uh, shoddy ankles," and he just absolutely destroyed him to the basket. And everyone knew what was going to come, and it was just very impressive. I'm I'm still just the amount of time it takes, or the amount of steps it takes from him to get from three point line to the basket is just very impressive to me and his length uh is um phenomenal and i saw some things tonight that uh i hadn't noticed in a while maybe i haven't been um paying enough attention to tatum um when i'm at the games but i feel like he was more physical in the paint tonight especially towards the end he really just took it to ben simmons and kind of a like oh really you think you're the presumptive uh rookie of the year bodied him in the chest basically just like threw ben simmons to the ground and had an easy layup um, I was just very uh, – I enjoy seeing him be that aggressive um, because that's what we've been asking for uh, basically ever since he started playing for the Celtics is just him to try and look to get his. So to him to wave someone off when he has identified a mismatch and for him to just go directly into the body of his defender in the paint, I think those are great signs. And then he's, you know what, still knocking down his three. So – Maybe only Jason Tatum will be the Celtics' third all-star. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm taking some crazy pills here, but I think <laughs> it's possible. Hey, you never know. It could be. could be. It's hard for rookies to make it, but he, he could, I suppose. Uh, look, he, he did a nice job, and in the end, when you look at the numbers, Ben Simmons, the Celtics did a nice job of holding him in check. We know what he's been able to do, and it was a back-to-back, and maybe maybe the Sixers were a little sloppy because of that. But, you know, they had 19 turnovers tonight, and Simmons had five of them. 15 points for Simmons, seven assists, six rebounds, five steals, which we'll talk about in a second. That, well, actually, I'll, I'll just say that the, a lot of the Celtics' turnovers were pretty damn sloppy. And uh, turns That's out, been a problem lately. They've been really turning been. the ball over in the past, like, four or five games. It has been. In the beginning of the game, Al Horford had, you know, we're sitting here talking about Al Horford's awesome game. Al, Al Horford's first quarter, the first few minutes of the first quarter, it looked bad for the first few minutes. And then we forget about that because he came back and was so great. But he hit a three in the first quarter. And I remember like Chuck, my partner on Red's Army, said, boy, Al Horford needed that three because he 
was he, he he had a slow start, and then since then Al Horford stepped it up. But that beginning of the game, there's a couple of early turnovers from Horford that looked pretty shitty. But those were his only turnovers of the game. But they ended up leading to Simmons steals. But back to my original point: Simmons, fifteen point seven assists, six rebounds, uh, in forty minutes of play. Tatum in twenty eight minutes of play. Also 15 points, a couple assists, a couple of rebounds, a couple of steals. So not that far off for Tatum and in, what, 12 less minutes? So that's a nice night. And- yeah, I wasn't too – I mean, I'm definitely biased because uh, I everyone should know my, my thoughts about Ben Simmons, hashtag not my rookie of the year. <laughs> but I, I was not like – uh, amazed or wowed by his performance tonight. I mean, he did have a real cool reverse jam putback dunk that, that, that was, was like, nice. the, like very casual and that, that was, was nice. very impressive. Like he he did like he's definitely a competent basketball player, but um I was not uh, amazed by the things he was doing on the court. I was for I was more impressed by just the the relentless work of J.J. Redick and how much he's just like – how much attention he commands coming around screens, his ability to still knock down shots. Um, his just – that's that was my main focus when the 76ers were on offense was just J.J. Redick is like a, a menace to have to guard. And as for Simmons, you're right, it could be a back-to-back. Um, but it felt like, you know what, you're going to put up those stats if you're playing 40 minutes a night as the primary ball handler. He didn't do anything that was um, really wowed me. Uh, um, so, it, I don't know. It's it doesn't like of of course he's going to win the rookie of the year. Like I just uh, like it, I can't see a scenario where he doesn't unless he gets hurt. But it, um, I don't know. It's a, it's a lot closer. And I know like that it, not my ROI, not my ROI thing has kind of been tongue in cheek. But like I think it's a lot closer than people kind of give it credit for, just because. Tatum's not been given the, he's not been given the keys. Like he's he's not the main guy. He's not going to be putting up kind of empty statistics. He's doing a lot of this stuff within the flow of the offense, um, and I think that those two guys uh, are both extremely talented. But I guess my my biggest point is that uh, Ben Simmons not my rookie of the year. <laughs> well, let me let me just say this: that we are still still in November, and I know that the NBA has gone. So year round that it's it feels like the season's been going on forever already because there's just been game after game after game, but we haven't even got like Christmas Day is regarded as the like pseudo official start of the NBA season. Nothing has been determined. Nothing. We and as much as we want to believe something has been determined, nothing has been determined. There's always a possibility of regression. There's always the possibility of some level of guys coming back to earth, some struggles, some changes, a personnel move or two somewhere that pisses somebody off. Like, look at the Memphis Grizzlies, for example. All of a sudden, Mark Gasol gets benched for fourth quarter, then Fizdale gets fired, and all hell breaks loose, and now their ownership might change. Like, that is just a complete grease fire that came out of nowhere. So if you don't think that... I'm right when think, you can say, well, any, when I say anything is possible here, look at what's going on. Anything can happen. So can Simmons maybe come back down to earth? Sure. Maybe Tatum has another gear. Maybe Tatum comes back down to earth. 
but nothing at all has been determined. So right now, rookie of the year, Ben Simmons. It'd probably be unanimous. But let's check back in a month or two. You, you just never know what's going to happen there. Maybe somebody else steps up. Maybe a person, maybe Dennis Smith Jr. goes nuts or somebody else goes nuts and, and enters into the conversation. So I just caution people to not take everything that's happened right now up to this point in the season as gospel. The Celtics defense has been amazing. They just held the Sixers to 97 points, which, by the way, thank you, Sean Granny, for this stat. 52 straight wins holding a team under 99 points for the Boston Celtics. Very impressive. But this Celtics defense is slipping a little bit, and you never know who's going to step up or who's going to fade. Uh, nothing, nothing. I'll, I'll just stop my rant there. Nothing is determined, so anything can happen moving forward with about more than 70% of the season still left to, to, to play. Um, you mentioned J.J. Redick. I do want to give Redick credit, not just on offense but on defense, because the Celtics came out very early trying to exploit that Redick mismatch. They tried to put Tatum on the post on J.J. Redick a bunch. They tried to switch Brown onto J.J. Redick as much as they could, and it worked once he had a dunk. Uh, but Redick is underrated as a defender. He's definitely not going to make any all-defense teams, but he held his own, and Tatum tried to back Redick down. And Redick can get low. He's... People don't realize how strong he is. He held his own there, and the Celtics, to their credit, got away from trying to post Redick, but to Redick's credit, it's because he played that very well. So I, I in the interest of fairness, I want to give J.J. Redick that shout-out. Uh, one more thing from the game before we, we go to Twitter, and I want to just make a point to recognize Point Smart. Marcus Smart as the point guard – I just love Marcus Smart as the true backup point guard, the ball handler. He threw a couple of alley-oops to Al Horford. He made a sweet-ass pass. I mean, maybe his best pass of the night was a pass to Terry Rozier cutting down the lane when, when Tito got fouled. And that, that will go like forgotten in the annals of this game. But that was an amazing pass out of the mid-post. Like, I, I'll beat this drum forever. Marcus Smart can really, really pass the ball. And I just am a big fan of Marcus Smart, the point guard. Yeah, no, he's he did a great job. He had another amazing pass to find um, Tito open for a three, and he knocked it down because his name's Tito Three Sticks. But the, the pass was really the thing that created it. And the what he's doing with Al, like, it feels like he's developed this kind of special chemistry with Al Horford on alley-oops. Um, and actually, Ben Rohrbach uh, wrote a whole column that's uh was a good read go read it right now or not right now finish the podcast then read it later it was all about kind of um why al horford's getting more alley-oop attempts this year and i feel like a lot of it has to do with marcus smart he does a real good job of coming around that pick and roll getting the guy it's like slowing down getting that defender on his back getting the big to commit and you're right he's i saw i saw some some people tweeting out there on uh celtics twitter tonight about how he might be a better playmaker than um kyrie irving or al horford and it was a. I initially read it as a as a hot take, but the more I thought about it, like he is, in terms of just kind of direct passing and like playing in the pick and roll, he does a phenomenal job. Um, and so you're right, he he deserves all the credit in the world. Uh, even on it was hilarious just to 
as as I give as I heap praise on Demarcus Smart, there was those two possessions in the third quarter where he missed two wide open threes, and I knew immediately when he shot them that they were not going in. <laughs> well, luckily there's more to Marcus Smart than his shooting, so I just want to shout out Marcus Smart, the point guard. Now we got to monitor his ankle because when he first went came out of the game, uh, I thought it really looked bad. And that is the type of thing that can like kind of swell up after the game. He just mm-hmm. got retaped and immediately came back. But my initial thought was like, "Oh, that is not good." And yeah. uh, I mean, any injury is not good, but you expect a guy with combat muscles that big to leave the game. You're you're sadly <laughs> mistaken. Uh, let's get to some tweets here before we get to the junk drawer, uh, and then wrap this sucker up. So let's start right at the top at. Ananya Dalal, Tatum and Brown didn't play nearly enough, and it seemed like Mook played the entire game. Can we trade him already? It's an interesting take because Mook basically in the second half was was really good, as we have said, and Jalen was bad. <laughs> Jalen was bad. Jalen was bad tonight, and Tatum. You can say he didn't play enough. Sure, that that's that's fine. Twenty eight minutes, uh, but let's also remember that his. The first half of the game was not his necessarily his best, and he did most of his damage in the fourth quarter, almost all of his damage in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, I mean, look, I'm not going to get on Jason Tatum in, in his minutes. He's 19 years old. It's his rookie year. He's, he's already just about played more than or played about as much as a college player. And he didn't play all those games last year in college. So we got to make sure that he's preserved. And I don't want to overwork him. There's a, there's a rookie wall potentially coming with him. So let's just – I'm happy. I'm happy with him doing what he did, playing 28 minutes. That's perfect for me. Let it, let's not overdo it with him. Keep it, keep it light. I'm good. I'm good with all of that. So It's also – it's some – Coming back to what you said, it's still quite early in the season. Mm-hmm. It's like classic experimentation mode. If you're Brad Stevens, you want to you want to get a bunch of guys' minutes. You want to see who can do, who can live up to potential, who can implement different schemes you're trying to run. It's like what kind of different lineups work. You're gonna want to play a, a number of different guys. One, so you know what their talent is, and two, just so they have like confidence that they can go out there. So if you need them in. Uh, in the playoffs or something there, they have experience. This is like, yes, the, you, you play to win the game as Herm Edwards famously once said, but like this really in the, like the grand scheme of things, this win doesn't mean that much. There's like so many little smaller lessons. I'm channeling my inner Kyrie. If the little things don't matter, then everything's a big thing in the <laughs> long run. <laughs> but like, it, it's true that there's like, there are learning moments that players uh, can take away from this. And so, you expect, especially early in the season, the, the Brad to have a kind of a deeper rotation to kind of try a bunch of different things and see what works. So, I think it's kind of uh, it's 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 frustrating to me to see see some complaints about kind of minutes and playing time um, at this point because it feels like Brad is one he's definitely trying to win the basketball game, but two he, there's like there's the there's the long play that he's going after. Yep, absolutely. Robert Denton, at Robert Denton. So many good things about this game, but how about Tatum? He switched from the catch and bucket on purpose to challenge Simmons in the open floor, and when he waved everyone clear on Johnson, on the Johnson mismatch, so impressed. Uh, then there was efficient Tice, Kyrie, dot, dot, dot. 
Uh, yeah. So that's a too long of a tweet. That's why uh, 280 characters was a bad idea. Uh, but I agree, I agree with everything he was saying. I just uh, that was a mouthful for you to spit out there for a reigning Jay's hashtag. Yeah. Well, that's all right. I'm embracing our new 280 character overlords. Uh, at Bur- at Burberanis 99, I think Celtics players have a contest between each other who will have the worst field goal percentage by the end of the season. <laughs> uh, I think Marcus Smart's going to win that contest regardless. And at Rife C, Smart's defense is next level. There isn't a position he can't defend. That is true. Marcus Smart. And this is why his shooting, like we all worry about his shooting and I want his shooting to get better. But, God, you know, it's almost to a point where it's like you say, his shooting doesn't matter because of that, because he defends everywhere, and he, he passes like crazy. He's is just a great passer, and he always comes up with an FU play somewhere, somehow. And the shooting, if he can hit, a sh- if he can hit shots, then that's a bonus. But he's just always such a plus guy that I'm, just, I'm starting to care less and less about his three-point shooting. No, you'd you'd prefer it if they if they went in, but you just if you watch the games, you just appreciate everything else he does. And he's right, right? See, like he he can defend every single position. There's so much value in that. Like the just being able to him. We talk about the the kind of playmaking he offers as the kind of backup point guard to do that, and then also be able basically defend one through four, sometimes one through five, to be like one of your better post defenders is uh, insane. And so. Anything he gives you on top of that in terms of three-point shooting is gravy. And sometimes he's going to have a wild game where he hits six three-pointers and uh, Stan Van Gundy calls him Kyle Korver. And that's just going to be hilarious. So we're just going to have to enjoy the enjoy those moments and live with the, the 30% or maybe less uh, three-point shooting. Yep. And that's it for the Rain and Jays hashtag. So before we started the show, Sam said, I have got a full junk drawer. Are you ready to unleash? I am. I am. And this is the thing. I, I wasn't even at the game until the second quarter. I'm tr- I started this day in Kentucky, so I made it. I went straight from Logan Airport to the TD Garden. Um, so I asked some some of the great Raiding Jays fans to fill, fill me in for the junk drawer until I got to the game. And I have to shout out Patrick, who said, Smart just got posted up and sold an offensive foul so hard that Billy Mays, Billy Mays would have been proud. And that's a solid joke. But the best thing that happened is that Billy Mays third likes that tweet so <laughs> billy three sticks as i started to call him uh, um so we're we're here with uh shouts to billy mays for being a great salesman and shout to marcus smart for um flopping his ass off out there that's always uh that's always great to see um also want to thank nbc sports for streaming their app so i could watch the game uh, as soon as i was deplaning uh, I was in the very last row, and let me tell you, deplaning from row 34 of a plane is a miserable experience, but NBC Sports, they really helped me out in that moment. Also, my cab driver, driving about 85 miles an hour, was very adamant that the Oklahoma City Thunder were going to win the title this year. And I tried to engage him in conversation and tried to say, they're really struggling right now. And he said, no, they're definitely winning the title. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but I, I was very amused by that man. Um, why no tribute video for the big dog? I mean, he had, if they just had a compilation of all the threes Amir Johnson made in a Celtics uniform, that would have been hilarious video. A joke tribute video is something I'm a hundred percent for. Yeah. They started to play it, but it didn't fire in time. (laughs) Well done. Well done, sir. 
Um, I don't. Uh, you're probably no one's going to see it, and I forgot to take a picture. But Jay King came to the game in like a, a nice button-down shirt and a sweater and like well-coiffed hair. Get out of here! It was very confusing. It was like he came from a meeting with his probation officer or something. It was. <laughs> was he wearing his was, greats.com shoes? He was. He looked like in enti- like everything was on point. It was like, what the hell are you doing, Jay King? So that was very startling. I mean, I was already in like weird mood, like weird environment, like showing up at, coming from the plane just to see Jay King like that. It was very, very confusing. Uh, do you guys remember the Marcus Morris heave at the end of the half where he basically sh- shot put it from underneath the own basket and hit the rim? That was a heave of all epic proportions. I really went that wish that went in. Um, this was the biggest, like probably the biggest thing throughout the entire night, uh, at Celtics games in the media room during halftime, they have a great assortment of snacks, an amazing assortment. You can get cookies, candy, anything you want. I normally go for pop tarts, but today the pop tarts they put out there only had one pop tart in the packaging. They've reduced the pop tarts by 50%. It's absurd. What? It's you, you only, they only had one. It's That's a single outrage. serving. It's BS. I I started turning around. People saw how upset I was. They started consoling me. They said it's going to be all right. It was um, outrageous. And I think I neither need to talk to the people at the Pop-Tart factory or the people at the Celtics because this can't. I cannot stand for this. Um, at one point, Jalen Brown just slapped Jared Bayless in the face. That was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you don't see that every day. Uh, there was a absolutely horrible call on Marcus Smart where – Ben Simmons went up, had no idea what he was doing with the basketball, slammed into Marcus Smart, and the ref just called it a, a, a blocking foul. It was absolutely atrocious. It was one of the worst basketball calls I've seen in a while. I don't know why, but the refs are just, like, really bad for Sixers Celtics games. Um, let's see. Where's Lil Funk at? I haven't seen Lil Funk perform at a game once this year, and after, for new reigning Jays fans or new Celtics fans, or for those who haven't had the chance to go to a Celtics game, Lil Funk is the dance troupe that is made up entirely of the most talented children I've ever seen. They're awesome. And norm- normally they're a staple at Celtics games, and I've not seen them once. I turned to my, the mainest man, Chris Forsberg, who's on the podcast this week. Um, he keeps statistics like this. I knew he would know. He reported to me that they were at the Golden State Warriors game, but you know what? I need more Lil Funk in my life. I'm not, I mean, the Celtics dancers are, are very talented, but I'm much more impressed by uh, seven and eight year olds doing it. Well, you know, it's and a Saturday 1 p.m. game. Maybe we'll get a weekend little funk. That's true. Normally kids have school the next day and homework. That's I didn't even consider the uh, the lives of the little funk people. I just wanted them to dance for me, and that's on me. Uh, was that Al Horford turnaround jumper at the end of the game like the most disrespectful thing you've ever seen Al Horford do? Oh, without a doubt. Without it was like it was like Al, where did that come from? It was great because normally he's just like seems like a very nice and respectful guy. Like even when he gets intense, it's just like clapping away from the play. But that was just like it seemed like Dario Saric was saying something in Croatian to him and didn't know Al knew Croatian. And then Al was just like, <laughs> "Ha, take that, Dario!" And it was it was great. It was the perfect way to punctuate the game. Oh man, I just ripped through. A lot of junk. I don't even know if there's any more left. But, yeah, that's it. Fantastic. Uh, wild day for me. And good good, good to end it with a Celtics win. I want to say props to you for going from Kentucky to Boston to the game to the podcast. That is dedication. That is some serious dedication. That may earn you a spot on the boat. 
it's that I don't know, man. It's that level of dedication that that gets you at least in contention for a wild card spot on the boat. I, I, I some nice R and R on the big Australian boat would sound uh, fantastic right now. Oh, that brings me to another raining junk thing. Uh, uh, Outback Steakhouse right now has like their literal, literally their campaign is just like is called Big Australia. We need to figure out some sort of corporate synergy. Uh, like they, I was watching TV the other in Kentucky, and there's just some ad for Big Australia. Come and get some blooming onion, and I was like. Oh my lord! Like we need. If anyone knows anyone at Outback Steakhouse, I don't know why you would. Um, um, not just someone who works at an Outback, but like someone incorporated yeah, right. at Outback Steakhouse. Don't tell me your boy busses tables at the Outback Steakhouse. We want to know the people. Unless it's in like charge. a local guy who can hook us up with a blooming onion, then maybe I'd like to know that. But like we're we're trying to do some. We're trying to build things here. I I. <laughs> I'll settle for the bartender who will slip me a couple of freebies, but mostly I want somebody who's going to, you know, advertise with them. I feel like maybe they stole something from us. Yeah. Or they stole something from Aaron Baines or Tommy. I don't know. There's, it's mighty suspicious. Okay. It's they combine suspicious. the words big in Australia. No one ever does that. We <laughs> are the only people who did that. We were the first people to do that. I feel like it's, it's absurd for them to like market their entire Australian-themed restaurant after that. It's just, it's it's kind of disrespectful. And so, if they're not going to work with us, then they've become our enemies. And so, it's that's the gauntlet that we've been thrown. Uh, I've thrown down right now. It's your your move, Outback Steakhouse. Yeah, yeah. Stop stealing from us. <laughs> Next thing you know, there's going to be an item on their menu called the Rain and Jays. Going to be jalapeno poppers and Jägermeister. Oh my God, that sounds awful! But I would definitely if, buy it. If I it would, had the rename Rating Jays. I'm willing to sell myself out for even that awful combination. Is the only Rating Jays Jalapeno Poppers? <laughs> it's really I, I couldn't think of multiple J items that quickly. That was really especially Australian themed ones. Yeah, yeah there's no. no, there's no. The only Australian. I'm not even gonna go. No, no, never mind. I'm gonna wrap up the show. Forget it. Uh, yep, it's gone off the rails. It's off the We're rails. Off the We're rails. done. We're done. Thanks for uh, listening. The Celtics beat the Sixers 108-97, and they continue rolling on. Uh, if you are just joining us for the first time and you've made it this far in the podcast, <laughs> Welcome. then God bless you. Then you probably at this point have decided that you might want to subscribe. This is just your kind of weird shit that you want to be a part of. So You guys can't see, but I'm just dabbing right now in an empty room. <laughs> We can imagine. That's very, very on brand for you. Sam loves to dab. (laughs) Subscribe wherever you find your podcast. Search for Lockdown Celtics. If you are a subscriber and you have not rated us five stars, even though we ask you to do it every damn show, please, please give in because we're not going to stop asking. So just do it. And give us a good review. Tell a friend. Like, there's plenty of Celtics fans out there who Tell are just like friends. oblivious to the podcast world. Yeah, that's the best way to like uh, help us out and like spread word of mouth is just let people know that you've found a good Celtics podcast that you like and you enjoy listening to, because um, that really helps spread and help helps helps us grow. And um, yeah, that's it. Subscribe, that's, five stars. Tell a friend. The Not best thing you can do: spread the word. Tell a few friends. Just say, hey, by the way, you got to check out this podcast. That's that's absolutely the best way you can pay us by spreading the word. So thanks for listening. 
And we will see you next week with the big boat that may or may not, probably not be sponsored by Outback Steakhouse. We're the Raina Jays. This is the Lockdown Celtics Podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.